market prosperity starts here. Now, here's Larry Kudlow. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. By the way, join us during the week, Fox Business Network, 4 to 5 p.m. every day. name of the show is Kudlow. If you can't make it at 4, why then just um, text your favorite 9-year-old, and she will teach you how to DVR the show. And by the by, you can reach us on the Internet, live stream, LarryCudlowShow.com, LarryCudlowShow.com. It runs all across the country, around the world, throughout the solar system and the Milky Way. So let's do some stock market work. Looking at the averages, the Dow Jones for the week fell now 374 points. S&P down 12. NASDAQ up 49. Good for the NASDAQ. And um, interest rates were kind of flat. Uh, let's look at this thing. Ten-year note, 346, call 3.5%. Rates didn't hardly move. Gold didn't hardly move. Crude oil fell a little bit. West Texas, $70. That's all, 70 bucks. Brent crude, $74. The dollar exchange rate up a wee bit, 102.68 on the DXY. Commodities fell a bit. And I'm looking for gold, gold flat, 2010.77. Anyway, let's bring in our investment experts. Jim LeCamp is the senior vice president, Morgan Stanley, and Jeff Kilberg, CEO, KKM Financial. Gentlemen, welcome back. So let's, um, it's interesting, stocks not doing much, Jeff Kilberg. I mean, they're, you know, it's interesting. I had on the TV show yesterday Ed Yardeni, a very smart fella, you know, you can argue the market has probably outperformed all the doom and gloom surrounding the market about inflation and interest rates and recession. Um, the market's obviously off its highs. Year to date, let me look at the Dow, is about flat. The S&P is up 7.5%. I mean, the market's probably doing better than people expected it to do. Will that continue, Jeff Kilberg? I think it does continue, Larry. And the market's really in an interesting moment. A lot of inputs, lots of process. We saw better uh, inflationary data, but at the same time, we're seeing earnings season, which is better than feared. And as we go into next week, we're going to see the strength of the consumer as the retail sector wraps up earnings season. So look at names like Walmart, Home Depot, Target. But by and large, Larry, I think it becomes more technical. There's a ton of emotion, I know, with Janet Yellen talking about us being broke on June 1st. But the technical aspect of the S&P 500, which, remember, is market cap weighted, so all the tech dollars are helping move that up 7-8% year-to-date. But the technical component is that it's been 250 days since the S&P 500 has been tethered to 4,000. So it seems that we are due for a breakout, and the breakout is going to go against sentiment. It's going to break above 4,200 in the short term once we get over this next headwind, which is the all-time dramatic debt ceiling crisis. <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. Um, Jim LeCamp, are we headed for a breakout, an upside breakout? We're headed for a breakout. Uh, I don't know which way it's going to go. If, if we break out uh, to the upside, a big uh, component of that is going to be short covering. Um, and and, and uh, you're not going to get multiple expansion here. You're just not. I mean, you might get a little bit, but there's not a lot of room there, particularly although we beat earnings expectations. Uh, it's kind of like saying, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how'd you like to play? 
because earnings are actually down. <laughs> now, we've, we've beaten earnings expectations. Yeah, I mean, you lower the bar enough, all you got to mm-hmm. do is step over it. Mm-hmm. But uh, when you look at the breadth of this market, it bothers me a lot, too. There's a lot of divergences here between the NASDAQ and the Russell, for example, between the Dow and the S&P. And then you look at the, most stocks are still under their 200-day moving average, it kind of it, it does set the table for a breakdown as well. And remember, markets are kind of like bathtubs. When you pull the plug out of that bathtub, you don't really see the top going down initially. You, but but the water's draining, and right now the water's draining. When it, when you look at breath, the breath is terrible in this market. So. I, I do agree that this market could break out either way. It's been very resilient. But if we get an upside breakout, I think the, your cap is going to be around 4300 and you need to be real careful about getting too bullish about that. I don't think anybody really in the market is worried, or at least not now, about uh, some, the debt ceiling. Okay, And I, wanna, I want to tell you, by the way, yesterday, I don't know if you saw it, the CBO came out with a report. And basically, they contradicted Janet Yellen. Uh, it's not about June 1st. If you get through the June 15th tax date, all right, which is, a, you know, cash flow, revenues coming in, and there'll, there'll be revenues coming in. So if you get through that, you can go all the way through July. That's what the CBO said. Completely different from what Janet Yellen is telling you. So I don't see any – I mean, they're negotiating – and they are going to cut spending, and McCarthy is uh, winning over Biden and so forth. But putting the politics aside, the sheer technical aspect of a potential debt default, it's just not there. It's not there. It may be there, but it's not. I mean, you're going to go through well into the summer before this becomes an issue, Mr. Kilberg. So I don't see that as a barrier. I agree. I think it's more of an emotional component. But, you know, to Jim's point, and you know, Do you Jim, feel emotional about the debt ceiling? I don't. I feel emotional about many things in life. Okay, you know, love, relationships, up or down in life. Fighting Irishman. So yeah, I that's right. About all things. You feel but emotional about the Notre Dame football schedule, but I I don't feel that much emotion about the debt ceiling. Nor do I, but it's just a headline. It's clickbait. But what I do think is that it's another headwind, and I know Jim's view is you know the glasses half empty and maybe leaking, but my point was whenever you see a breakout from a technical perspective, technical perspective, you have to remove the emotions. I think we jump up to 4450. I'm not saying it's sustainable, but you are going to see a bit of FOMO. You're going to see some short covering, but we really kind of have to get out of this, this, this situation where the Fed continues to day trade the market. And that's 4450 has not pushed us back to these lows. Wait, 4450 on the S&P 500? I see that. Yeah. That's a, how Short much term. is that? That's a big move. It's a big jump. You know, it's, it's nearly 300 uh, points. So we're talking about 6 7% if we do the math here, if I go back to my math classes at Notre Dame. But that's very attainable now. Is it going to be sustained at 4450? No, it'll probably back and fill. But the more time it spends above 4000 the more sentiment sours and the more the ability is to have that short curve that Jim talks about. And that's what moves market. It doesn't have to be rationalized. You know, as you know, the market's going to push people in the most pain. And right now, it's a bipolar market, Larry. Jim McCamp, I, I'm sure they teach, you know, the monks and priests at Notre Dame teach a lot of things, but math may not be one of them. <laughs> well, I went to Baylor, and they did teach us math at Baylor. Yes, yes. Um, but here's the thing. Um, 
you've got a lot of headline risk here, particularly uh, with the small uh, banks, uh, the tightening credit, the souring CapEx trends. You've got uh, leading indicators down 12 months in a row and a record drop in money supply. That's really not the stuff of a bull market at all. It's the stuff of recession. And uh, recessions usually start before a market bottoms. But the market bottoms happen during recessions. Now, could we get a short covering rally? Of course we could. Sentiment is the bear's den is very packed full of bears right now. So, yeah, we could have a – and there's going to be some trampling in there. So, we could, yeah, we could have a short covering rally. But uh, this market really has all the earmarks of A – um, the breadth is so bad that uh, it, it's it's pointing to further weakness, and B, the economic signals are so bad that they're pointing to recession. Larry, if I could just jump in quickly, the one thing we're not talking about, the 800-pound gorilla in the room, is the $8.5 trillion balance sheet. That's the shock absorber of all shock absorbers. What's the $8.5 trillion balance sheet? The Fed. Oh, the Fed. It continues to stay swollen. The Fed is here. The safety net's in place. It's going to be okay. You think the Fed's going to raise uh, rates another quarter or not? I don't think they should, no. by the way, but do, will they? They shouldn't, and I don't think they will. I think they have cover now with inflation abating. We did get better inflationary data last week, so I think they have the ability to pause and let it let it see, but we give way too much credit to the Fed. They've notoriously been wrong. Uh, they were transient on their inflationary call just uh, you know, a year and a half ago. So I think they're, they're going to have to pause and sit on their hands and just wait to see how some of these chips fall with all the different headwinds that Jim you know, did brilliantly point out. There's a ton to digest right now. I Jim, uh, what's the, do you think the federal whole state – I want them to pause, but it doesn't matter what I want. What do you think they're going to do? Okay, it's interesting because real interest rates have finally gone positive in Europe, and that's giving cover for both the Bank of England and the ECB – to pause, and I think that gives the Fed cover to pause. Even if, uh, and real interest rates arguably have gone positive, depending on which metric you're reading uh, here in the U.S. But the the curve is still very inverted, uh, still. So yeah. I, I think the Fed ought to pause. The Fed funds futures suggest not only are we going to get a pause, we're going to get a cut or two by the end of the year. Uh, now the Fed funds futures can change, and they're often wrong too. But, uh, yeah, I think they'll pause, and I think it's very possible that we get the first cut before the end of the year. You know, that inverted yield curve uh, doesn't get enough attention in terms of a leading indicator of the economy. Uh, The New York Fed model, which is about the yield curve, it's an old model. It's a very good model, I might add. 68% probability of a recession in the next year. That's what Mm -hmm. it's predicting. And I don't, it's funny, um, the recession, I, the current economy, let's see, the, uh, the Atlanta, who is it? The Atlanta Fed GDP tracker is, what, 2.5% for Q2. I know it's early. We don't have much numbers in. But I just wonder about that, Mr. Kilberg. That thing is underrated. The recession risk, I think, is still underrated. And if I'm not mistaken, in recessions, profits come down. Profits are the mother's milk of stocks. So that worries me. You know, that, that's a concern, Larry. You're absolutely right. And I think we're going to see we have better clarity this week when we see the true strength of the consumer in some of these retail stocks that are reporting. But I think to your point, you know, that is kind of masked 
that is very opaque with the size of the Fed's balance sheet. And the Fed tried to reduce their balance sheet by $95 billion a month, and all of a sudden they had to inject $400 billion in to save some regional banks. So they're back up over $8.5 trillion. So until that shock is over, something that really gets drained significantly, I don't think the market has the ability to go back and test those October lows. That's my view. All right, let's okay, take that's care. an interesting point because – Usually when you're this far off of a bear market low, you have set the low end, and we're six months in. But there's a lot of room between here and there, and that that would imply that we could go down without taking out those lows. We could still go down a fair amount in all three of the major averages. Hmm, That's an interesting point, too. No doubt. I mean, I just uh, I've, I'll end this segment where I started. The market has probably been more resilient, done better than people would have thought. This Agreed. is true. You know, last year was a very bad year. This year, I mean, it's not been a spectacular year, but it ain't been that bad either. All right, gentlemen, Jim LeCamp, Senior VP of Investments at Morgan Stanley, Jeff Kilberg, CEO of KKM Financial. I'm Kudlow. We'll be right back. This is The Larry Kudlow Show. Now, back to the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. We're talking stocks with Jim LeCamp, Senior VP of Investments at Morgan Stanley, and Jeff Kilberg, CEO of KKM Financial and uh, Notre Dame University. Um, Gentlemen, does anybody care about the debt ceiling? Is there any evidence in stocks or bonds that the debt ceiling is weighing on the market? Start with you, Jim LeCamp. There's not right now, but there there has been in the past, and I don't think we can just shrug it off. Um, if you look at what hit the market in the fourth quarter of 2018, we had an 18% drop. And uh, the, the, the prior instance, when they lowered our credit rating, uh, we had a big drop in the market. So I don't think we can... Um, take it too lightly i do think they'll work out a deal and i think yeah we won't be talking about this six months from now but uh let's not forget uh that this this has impacted the markets to a large degree remember 19.2 percent drop in 18 that's almost a bear market just Mm -hmm. barely missed it and it was primarily a big result of that debt ceiling fight what would you look for, Jeff Kilberg? I mean, where would it show up in bonds first, or would maybe it show up in stocks first? Well, look, Larry, you know that I cut my teeth at the Chicago Board of Trade, now the CME Group, in the bond pit. So I'm always going to favor bond leadership. And the one month is revealing a bit of anxiety when you see it nearly you know, 100-plus basis points over the two-year uh, mm. I like to see that come down a little bit. The one month and three months is paying a little bit higher yield than expected. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, it's the U.S. government. We we may have a technical default, and the media may have fun, you know, playing and shooting articles, but it has no real bearing. Uh, we're going to continue to pay our bills, and if that's the case, uh, if something does happen like that catastrophic, I'm moving in your basement and bringing the bottle of water and spam. <laughs> spam. Yeah, the spam's terrific. A couple of bananas, too. Uh, <clears throat> what is the outlook for interest rates, fellas? What's the outlook? The, the 10-year... Uh, I'm talking bonds now, not the Fed funds rate. But the 10 years been around three and a half percent for a while, uh, Jim LeCamp. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about breakouts one way or another in the stock market. Uh, what's the next move in bond rates? Well, if you look at uh, how much our debt to GDP is now, um, and it, it is it is skyrocketing. That has been consistent with chronic 
economic downturns in other countries uh, once you get to these levels. And it, I don't want to say that we're turning Japanese. I really think so, like the song. But uh, that's the experience they had there, and we, we could have that to a lesser degree. Now, the, the sticky wicket here is that wages are still pushing north. Even though the, the CPI numbers are coming down and uh, a lot of the metrics and a lot of the readings are coming down, wage push inflation is still a little bit of an issue for the Fed that they're going to have to deal with. And if they, it's, it goes past the Fed because it, it could hurt corporate margins as well. Even though corporations have done a good job of squeezing more out of each employee that they have, uh, so uh, yeah, I think uh, in answer to your question, rates will likely drift lower. Uh, we need that uh, for less debt service payments. We're already over a trillion this year, mm. and, um, and it, but it will also be reflective, uh, most likely, of a slower economy. I mean, if people don't look at M2 very much, monetarism has been out of fashion for a while. But at the same time, if you look at the charts of that, M2 exploded in uh, 2020 and 2021, and then you know got up to almost 30% year-to-year growth. M2's come down. The growth rate has now gone negative. It's actually contracting. If you use that, it tells you, I think, three things. It tells you inflation is coming down, which it is. It tells you recession is probably coming. We haven't seen that yet. And then it tells you that interest rates are going to come down, along with inflation and recession. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you were a Friedmanite, I'm not a pure monetarist, but I, I guess I'm so old I still look at that stuff. I think it says that there's a big bond rally out there, Kilberg. Yeah, I think I'm going to get there uh, to the same answer uh, a little differently, but I think you're right, Larry. And I think bond, specifically the tenure, has the ability to go lower. But that monetary expansion you talked about, M2, went from $15 trillion to $21 trillion. That was historic. We've never seen that before, and we're never going to see it before. So I think what we've become conditioned to as investors is that the pendulum has been swinging too far one way or the other i.e., look at the, the NASDAQ last year, down over 35%. So here we see some healing in the S&P 500. That's contributed to the NASDAQ stocks, which were probably oversold. So back to the bond market, I think the Fed isn't a predicament, but it goes back to what I kind of illuminated earlier, is their balance sheet. If they want to continue to keep a swollen balance sheet, which I think they have to, they're not choosing to, they have to, and if they want to keep the cost of capital high to kind of pump the brakes on the economy by allowing this inversion, yes, I think you do see, to Jim's point, a potential rate cut later in the year, even Q1, and that 10-year note is going to continue to move lower, which will continue to feed into the thesis. And I'm not a permable. You know that, Larry. But the short-term thesis that's going to feed into tranquility and allow some of these technology stocks to continue to run and repair the damage ahead in 2022. All right. We'll have to leave it there. Jim LeCamp, Senior VP at Morgan Stanley, and Jeff Kilberg, KKM Financial. Thank you, gentlemen. Very, very good. Thank you. Folks, we're going to take a break, and we're going to do some money in politics on the other side with Liz Peake and Steve Moore. I'm Kudlow. Please stick around. 